welcome to the Nehemiah Entrepreneurship Community Podcast. I'm your host, Patrice Sake. I am here in studio today with some good friends. Of course, all you guys know Master Charles Kears, or he doesn't like when you call him. That's <laughs> an incredible anointing upon him. He's a marketplace pastor. Charles Kears, the director of Urban Impact, also co-host of this podcast from time to time. We also have two have two friends in here. We have Mr. Garrett, uh, uh, Garrett Garland, and then we also have Chris Robinson. Today we're going to be talking about an uncommon partnership for job creation. Really, it's, it's like a three-year partnership here. You've got Charles that partnered with Garrett, and you have Garrett that partnered with Chris Robinson. And together, they're collaborating together for job creation. One of the reasons why I asked to be here in the studio, I heard an, I heard an incredible story about how Garrett met with Chris, where Chris was at the time of their meeting. And, and, and he gave Chris a, a few challenges. Fast forward, today Chris is in a whole different financial reality. And I said, I wanna get that story on the air, particularly we're talking about North Carolina, a, 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 a boom, you are Garrett, you are a boomer, right? That's a, correct. A white boomer. And mm -hmm. I'm assuming uh, uh, Chris, is it a millennial or is it a Z? What, what generation is he? He looks like a millennial. What are you, 31, Chris? Sir? Are you 31? You said I'm a millennium? Millennial, yeah, are you 31. 31. How old are you? I am 30. Wow, 30. So you've got a boomer, a, a, a white boomer. 74. A, an African-American millennial in North Carolina in an uncommon partnership uh for job creation and i want you to hear the story because oftentimes all we hear in the news oftentimes here in america is about how black and white don't get along and all these issues i mean we do have some issues but we have many stories like this that we talk about so that you can see when it comes to the marketplace and economics we've made much progress evidence by Eric and all right, so but I'm going to start with you, uh, Charles. Uh, this is your deal. You kind of so tell us, Charles, in terms of how you got to meet Garrett. I got fits within your overall strategy, and um, and how you know, and what role you play in all of this. Wow, yeah. <clears throat> so uh, I got to meet my fast. I call him my fast friend, um, Garrett. Uh, we were actually out on the golf range, and uh, he walked up, very distinguished young man at the age of 74, um, and he started hitting a golf ball. And there's a certain sound when you hit a, when you compress a golf ball, and then when it goes straight, you're like, this guy knows what he's doing. I need to talk to this guy. Uh, but even prior to that, he had a staff bag, which is a sort of like a pro bag that professionals carry and had a wonderful a beautiful emblem on it that said he was a, a u.s veteran and he had won um some awards in the golf space so we really started building the relationship or really talking about this was in the the heat of after george floyd's murder and things were happening in the nation and everything was kind of in chaos and he began to talk to me about his desire to see white and blacks come together around golf and so that's right up my alley. I love golf. I love to have conversations with all types of people. But then we even took it a little bit further and started talking about, well, what if we came together and had some very constructive conversations, getting to know each other, and then started to do good in the community? And Garrett proceeded to tell me about the Purple Heart Home 
charity that that he uh, was a part of. And and then long story short, we actually went out. That was on a uh, green grass facility. So we went out and played golf on a green grass facility, which he proceeded to tell me about Chris and, you know, the work that he was doing with Chris and his business, um, how he's developing his business. And he and I have built out Golf for a Change. And so for those of you that have been on our website, you look at the Urban Impact, myurbanimpact.com, you scroll down, you see Golf for a Change, because it's part of our strategy to bring people together, to have real constructive, um, open relationships where uh, unique conversations can take place where we're not, you know, we are, and Garrett says it best, we are more alike than we are different. And we want to emphasize those types of things. And so we met and we've been uh, building the relationship. And now we we are also helping uh, to build Chris and his team, his business, and uh, possibly helping Garrett to to build his business as well. So these guys have been um, really, really a great example of when people come together that we're able to accomplish more than when we're fighting. Wow, I love it. You know, oftentimes, uh, Charles, you talk about the power of the golf, of golf and its ability to create connections uh, that crosses gender, crosses race, crosses economic, um, e- you know, economic disparity, economic differences. Uh, here's an example of that, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, here's one, you guys met on the golf course, mm-hmm. and the rest is history. So, golf would change. I mean, this is evidence that golf would change work. Yes, Other sir. Garrett, tell them what golf would change is, and and why golf is such a key part of your strategy to impact urban communities? Well, uh, as I've told Charles and other people, I mean, I'm a former uh, Army officer. I was in Special Forces. I was a Green Beret captain. And uh, people of color, we work with very well. We don't look at color the same when we're in the military because someone who has a black face or a white face, either one of them protects the other at all costs to their own lives. So we're very protective of each other. Uh, we always give each other the benefit of the doubt. But I don't see that crossing often into the civilian community as much as it should. So Mm. after the George Floyd killing, I have several friends that are black that play golf. And I asked them, what if we put an event together just at our home course, where we bring together 30 or 40 people who are white and 30, 40 people of color. And we bring these people together and we put their names on golf balls, put them in a hat and we draw names out of the hat. And those two people become partners in the golf course for four and a half hours and learn about each other a little bit. As, as, as Charles mentioned, uh, there, there's no way if you if you talk to someone very long, you're going to find out they're much more alike, uh, much more like you than they are different. They have common dreams. They have common goals. They just want an opportunity to fulfill their dreams and have people look at them as an individual and judge them, as Martin Luther King said, by the content of their character and not by their color of their skin. So it's my my attempt, and in this day and age, you need to be part of a solution as opposed to uh, just sitting idly by. So I thought it was an opportunity for wow. to get together and, 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 and give people a different different idea of how people get along. Mm-hmm. Gary, that's, that's the proper thing. So in a sense, oftentimes when we talk about the racial dynamic in America, this is Black History Month at a time when 
Blacks around the nation celebrate the, the contribution of African-Americans to the United States. We often limit our perspective to the civilian space. We don't realize that in the military space, there's a whole different reality that right. you guys are even more advanced, not even, you guys are more advanced than, than what, what we know did it as America. So talk about that again, because so, so when you as a military guy, look at what happens day to day, what a George Floyd, what the situation is, how significantly different is that than the reality for you guys who are in the service? Well, again, one, one, one thing, we, we all come from very diverse backgrounds. Uh, some are rich, some are poor, some come from the South, they come from the West. And as we get together, uh, we begin to talk to and see and understand people as people, because these are people whose lives are in your hands. Uh, not all of us are combat, but we all come with the mindset that we need to find a way for us to communicate well and get along. We're not going to necessarily be best friends with everyone, but we need to be able to talk to them as individuals, understand their stories, so we can work with them in a in a very positive manner. Charles has understood these. He's been in the military. Chris was in the Marine Corps for seven years, so he understands this also. So we just approach each other in a much different manner, I think, than the average citizens who come together with distrust and sometimes rightly so. But we don't have that same mindset. Mm -hmm. Wow. So, so with that, it does, it does. So what has the military done that we as civilians can learn, you know, as entrepreneurs who are building businesses? What is, what is different between the way that organization operate that we need to glean on the day-to-day civilian life? Well, I think the the big thing with the military, it teaches you discipline. You know, you have to become very disciplined in the military. And through basic training and advanced infantry training, other training, you have to be very disciplined. You have to get used to working under certain time restraint constraints. Uh, You have to, um, I, I think that discipline thing is the big thing. You can't go at things kind of lackadaisical. You have to be very focused to do your job properly. And with the military, uh, you're, you're, you're advanced in your career by your ability to do things and your ability to, uh, to, um, uh, to lead, lead people. Mm-hmm. And I think those are the two big things. You know, your leadership skills are very important, and we, they train you on those. But they also train you just how to better control your day-to-day life, how discipline's important. You can't simply do what you want to do every minute and get anywhere you need to focus on certain skill learning. And that's what the military does for you. Yeah. And then also, Patrice and Chris, I'd like to hear your perspective as a Marine as well. So I served in the Army and just a reminder of when I was in basic and um, my individual readiness training that I was thrown into a platoon with guys from all over the country in different walks of life. Now, initially, you know, a guy growing up in Brooklyn I was able to get along with most of the people, but then some of the people, this was their very first opportunity to expose, be, to be exposed to different types of people. And they didn't do so well. However, to Garrett's point, we were trained to be leaders by example. And I remember, and I, I'll tell on myself because I won't get mad at myself. I remember getting in a fight with an old, old boy from Kentucky. Um, I was the platoon leader, 
uh, Sergeant, uh, my drill sergeant told me to have the guys in formation when he got back out. And uh, I turned around. This guy was still smoking a cigarette. I said, Murphy, by the time I get back to formation, the head of formation, I want to see you. I want to see you locked up in in, in the ranks. And uh, I turned around. And he put his boot in my behind, man. And all I knew was go back to Brooklyn. Long story short, um, I, I got into some fisticuff and almost went to, to, to jail because my my platoon sergeant said he had given me the authority over the platoon and I needed to act accordingly with my leadership skills and more was required of me as a leader. And from that day on, my life totally changed how I dealt with adversity when people were different. We all had different opinions. We didn't all agree, but because we ate together, we slept together, we marched together, we cried together, we fought together, we trained together, you know, uh, we got our mail together. We did everything together now when graduation came for us to move to the next level uh we were ready we were we were a unit and so that training and i know chris's experience as a marine was even different than than ours because the marines i mean even though they got them nice dress blue uniforms they crazy man <laughs> Chris, talk about that that experience if you will uh as as a marine and how it has brought you together um to work with other people I feel like uh, joining the Marine Corps made me really diverse. It definitely gave me that camaraderie to all military personnel, honestly. It's just, I feel like when you're around somebody that was in the military, you can kind of tell, just like Mr. Garrett said, that discipline, the way they carry themselves. Um, a lot of the guys, and it's, it's kind of crazy because I think that's what me and Mr. Garrett really related it, is our military background. And with me, with a lot of my guys that's starting to work with me, they're former military. And it's, I've had guys that I don't judge anybody. I heard guys that don't work with me that's done been in prison. I've had guys that's worked with me that's been, been in the military. And there's no difference in the person but the training. The, mm -hmm. the initiative that people take, the the drive, the, the will to get the job done, is definitely a difference between a civilian and a regular personnel. My guys that are in the military is like they'll do anything to get the job done. And it kind of reminds me of myself. And it's no questions, no ifs, ands, or buts about it. It's just that was my order. That's what I'm going to do until the mission is complete. I feel like the the training that you get is we, we got this thing in the Marine Corps, and it's called J.J. Did Tie Buckle, and it's 14 leadership traits that they instill in you. And it's things like that that, that – civilians are getting pushed to do and i feel like if i hadn't been to been a, went to the military i wouldn't have, i wouldn't have learned those traits and i feel like it's definitely made a difference in my life um as far as being a leader it's just whenever you're when you've been in the military and you experience that no lackadaisy moment i feel like you you really use that in the civilian life like when when you've been places where you don't get the option to be lax that's it right. kind of instills that in you when you're in the regular world that guys that never had that had that pressure on them they they wouldn't understand you know I, i'm in afghanistan i don't have that option to be lazy and it's kind of when you've done that for months and months it's kind of it becomes who you are versus somebody that's been in the regular world they just kind of had everything handed to them or just and not not everybody is like that but just haven't felt that pressure of needing to be perfect or having to worry about the man next to you to make sure something is done 
then you really kind of don't, you know, understand, to be honest with you. So it's, I feel like the military is definitely a, a changing point for a lot of people and definitely a relatable and distinguished thing that you can kind of tell as among, among people in the military, to be honest with you. Wow, I love it. We're talking about uncommon partnership job creation, talking with uh, Charles Gears, uh, Garrett Garland, and Chris Robinson. We're talking about how they've formed this partnership. We should begin on the golf course and then in the business space and how the, the three of them being having military background that can see and operate cross-racial, cross-socioeconomics, all for the common good. But then, so the the idea of of this, this job creation piece began with Garrett, you and Chris getting together. So, right. so, so Chris, so first of all, tell me a bit. So you went over to Mr. Garland's place. Tell us about kind of how you got to him and, and Garrett, tell me how you responded. Let's talk about how this thing evolved from where that was. All right. So the way it all started is I was uh, working this job. I was working this job called a uh, Cargill. I did a little construction. Well, actually, I did a lot of construction before, and I became a certified carpenter. And I actually left and went overseas. When I came back, the job had slowed down so much um, from leaving with the military because I actually did time in the reserves, too. So when I actually came back from overseas, it had slowed down. They wanted me to go to Canada, and I couldn't do it. So I worked a couple. I became a heavy equipment operator. I worked at this company called Gar Cargill. And, I mean, I really wasn't really making anything, working third shift working in the middle of the night. And uh, I used to always tell, I used to tell my girl, man, I could do a lot better. You know, I, I kind of been, I kind of, I'm a numbers person in the back of my mind. So I'm thinking in the back of my mind, if I'm making $15 an hour and we're making dog food and we're running a pallet of 40 pallets of 40 bags of dog food in five minutes and one bag of dog food costs $20, and I'm only getting paid $15 an hour. <laughs> Something's a problem. I, they just printed, they, we just made more than my week's salary in four minutes, four to five minutes, you know. So I constantly just send my uh, my resume out, constantly just apply them. I know I could do better. You know, I've been in the Marine Corps. I got a lot of traits. I got a lot of skills. So I sent my resume in one day, and uh, I sent it to Garrett. And Mr. Garrett called me one day, and was, he had me come in, and we sat down and talked. I think we talked for a good maybe 30 minutes to an hour. Yeah, that's right. We got through talking, and uh, I thought I was actually applying for a job. And Mr. Garrett was like, well, this isn't really a job interview, but I like you. You know, we really clicked with our, our former military talk. And Mr. Garrett gave me a contract, and uh, he sent me to a job. that <laughs> I got a good attitude. <laughs> I, I went in the fire on that one. <laughs> but it ended up working out and it built a great relationship between us. And I feel like it showed that I'm willing to get anything done that he throws at me. And we just been kind of, he laid the foundation down and we kind of been going for there from there. Wow. So, so it began with the fact that Chris, you were unwilling to be content with your situation. You did the math in your head. You said, wait a minute, I'm producing, I'm worth more than what they give me right here. Right. And but you didn't quit. You kept working, but while looking, while looking other places. So, Garrett, what, what was it about Chris that struck you to give him a chance? Well, you know, I, I've told I've told the people around me. I've told uh, Charles this. I've told Chris this. I, I hire mostly for attitude. 
you know, I can teach people a lot of things if they have a good attitude. If they don't have a good attitude. It's tough to get through to them sometimes. And they butt heads a lot and they don't want to learn and do things. So I try to hire for attitude. And I don't really care if it's a man or a woman, if they're old or young, if they're black or white. None of that matters to me at all. What matters is what kind of spirit do they bring to the job? And what kind of what kind of work ethic do they bring to the job? Even if they don't know the job they're going to do, how they're going about learning it in order to become good at it. Well, Chris, right away, when you meet Chris, he's got this infectious, infectious good attitude. I, I've never seen him in a bad, bad attitude. He's got the <laughs> smile on his face. You know, you, you, you kind of brighten up the minute you see Chris. Chris is just a good person, period. You know, so I saw that right away, that he was a great person. And uh, he was kind of in a dead end job. He told me about it, same as he told you just now. And he said he was making X amount of money. And I said, well, I think I can pay at least 25000 more a year. Well, gosh, that's a big difference from where it was before. Another 25000 I said, I guarantee you that. Chris, when you heard that, that you can make, you can do 25000 more, what went through your mind? Well, honestly, I played it kind of cool, but the first thing I did is I went out there and called on the phone. I'm like, man, we made it. <laughs> because I knew it's nothing I couldn't handle. I, I I feel like I honestly after me and Mr. Gary had our talk, I went home to the house. I think I looked at YouTube for about a week and a half straight on blonde. <laughs> so let, let me tell you. So Gary, go ahead. We had been, uh, unfortunately, our, our top guy had been killed in a motorcycle accident. And mm -hmm. Chris was coming in to fill this position. He didn't have a lot of experience in blinds, and uh, but he did have some carpentry experience. The job we had for him was more than 200 miles from our office at a hospital. And it was doing things that were very, very difficult. Plus, the people he was working with were very, how do I say it? Uh, they weren't very helpful. They they were they were kind of nasty on top of it. So mm. no matter what he did, it was never good enough for them. No matter what we did, it was always poor. Even though I know he was trying his hardest, so it didn't. You know, he worked hard those days. He worked long hours, but no matter what he did, it didn't work. So we brought him back in, and we started getting him smaller jobs. And he was learning from one of the guys in our office. But boy, he took the reins, and he said, "Man, I can do this." And he continued to work hard. And every single day he'd come in and work hard. The second week he comes into my office, I get to tell you the story. And he says, Mr. Garrett, uh, I can't work today. I said, why is that? He goes, my truck got stolen yesterday. Your truck got stolen? How'd that happen? He said, well, I was going in to get gas after I come back from a job. Unfortunately, I left my keys in the ignition and somebody jumped in and stole it while I was paying for my gas. All my tools are in there. I can't work. I said, oh, that's really a shame. I, I really, I felt terrible for Chris. So we talked for a while. I said, Chris, do you have any money saved at all? And he said, I got about $2,000. So uh, I said, Chris, I'll tell you what, can you find a truck for about $4,000? We'll loan you the $2,000. You put two in and we'll, you buy a truck and you can pay us back. This was only after you worked two weeks. I just knew he was the right guy to do it. So um, to make a long story short, uh, Chris bought a truck that he still has to this day. And uh, we got him tools and uh, Chris paid us back within a month. He must have spent 75 percent of his money on paying us back immediately, which was you know, not necessary. But it showed me the heart in the in the soul of this individual. And he kept on working hard. 
And he definitely passed that number that I promised him, 45,000. And every year he's worked harder. Now he has a crew of his own. We just finished a very, very large project. And I'm not going to tell exactly what Chris made this year, but he made more than six figures. He made well, well over $100,000 this year, his third year with me. And I'm so proud of that. You know, I'm, I, I just think it's such the most wonderful thing that he gets to help fulfill his dreams now. What an incredible story. I mean, he comes to you. First, he's unsatisfied with his situation. He doesn't quit. He start looking, he's, and then he comes to you, and he switch on. So, Chris, tell me a bit. I mean, how has it impacted Chris? If you you if you could tell yourself, I'm not sure if your phone or whatever is on the other side. You look the other way. There it is. Yeah, there you go. There you go. So, Chris, how has how has this impacted your life in three years? I mean, you. I mean, you are over six figures now. Honestly. It's impacted it as far as self-freedom. I get a lot more time with my kid. I get a lot more time with my family. But I'm going to be honest with you. I spend a lot of the money back with the guys. Because wow. I want everybody to I want everybody to have the same opportunity as me. Mm. Like, my pay has definitely changed a lot. But it's been weeks where I honestly will make less than my guys just so they can have the same opportunity as me and we can all grow as a team to be honest with you. So, so you are re so you are reinvesting it back at you. So let's talk about that because yes, so first so Garrett ensured you a job, right? A a, 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 a job with better opportunity. But then now let's talk about that. Uh, so let's talk about how it went from you to now you having a team. Talk about that transition for me. So when I came into this, I seen that I was coming into it as an independent kind of style contractor. So I knew this could be a great stepping stone for me to start my own thing, to be honest hey, with you. Chris, let me interrupt for a second. Yes, sir. When, 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 I, when Chris decided to work for me, uh, we told him, listen, we don't want to take you on as, a, as an employee. We think it'll be better for you in the long run if you start your own business and work for us. Therefore, you'll this is your company. You'll work mm -hmm. for us about 99% of the time right now, but it'll afford you the opportunity if something were to happen to us or other things come up or, and come along, you'd be able to work in those arenas also. So this is Chris's business. He just happens to work with me as a business partner. So it is not he's my employee. He is my business partner because uh, I'm I'm dependent upon Chris to do all the labor in our work. And, you know, I, I do a lot of the bidding. I get things done. But with I Chris, love it. I wouldn't have a business. So he's kind of a subcontractor to you. That's so you, so you did business. more than give him a job. You gave him a business opportunity. Correct. Yes. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about. Oh well, we lost. Well, we lost it, but let me let me say um, that's that's perhaps one of the most powerful partnerships you can develop because when you hire somebody as just a job, I mean, there's a budget that you have to keep, and obviously there's a margin that you want to gain. But when you give someone a business opportunity, as Garrett has given to Chris, and now. You know, I'm working with Chris and his team to help to grow them so that they can grow the opportunity that they have at hand. And so I, I think that Chris has done a tremendous job and he's got some tremendous guys working with him <clears throat> to reinvest back into his community to create jobs. And this model becomes a solution that we can duplicate. So, Chris, thank you for, um, you know, 
getting the opportunity with Mr. Garrett and seeing that you needed to build a team around you. And as you build that team, there is a there's an investment. You're making an investment back into your business that eventually is going to pay off even greater than if you were just to have a job to take care of you and your family. You're taking care of the entire community. Speak to us more about that as well. So I feel like uh, this right here is one of those traits that I learned in the Marine Corps as far as being a leader. And that's why I've been invested in my team because I feel like it takes a team to actually grow. Um, that was part of one of the things I learned. When, and Mr. Garrett does refer to us all the time as a business business partner. I really do thank him for that opportunity. And uh, that was one of the things I looked up when I was looking into starting a business. And and even with, with when I was a Marine, you know, I had a staff sergeant tell me one time when I was in the Marine Corps, he told me, he said, uh, if they hate you, they'll follow you. If they love you, they'll die for you. And I try to stick with that. I feel like if my team, you know, I can go in there and just give them instructions all day and it's going to be like a regular nine to five. But if I bring them aboard and we all feel like we're winning together, mm -hmm. there's nothing we can't do. And I feel like that as a leader, I feel like it's my obligation to actually teach them and, and pass on some of the things that I've learned, because I feel like a lot of times in our community, we don't get those chances to learn and be blessed with the opportunities that I've even got or even learn half of the knowledge that I've got. So I feel like that was part of the plan and still is part of the plan with building the team, to be honest with you. If I can pass on as much knowledge as I know to other guys and they, even if it gives them a little spark to even excel past what I've learned and they can take that knowledge and pass it on to somebody else and somebody else, I feel like I've done a little portion of my part to be honest with you. So that's part of the goal as far as me growing this. I don't really want to be the richest man in the world or anything like that. I just want self-freedom and I want the people around me and the people that I know to grow and gain the knowledge that, I, that I've got, to be honest with you. So that's why I say like, yeah, the money has changed, but it's not fun having no money if can't nobody do nothing else with you. <laughs> you <know? laughs> I go to a five-star steakhouse and I got my friend with me and I'm paying for him. It ain't no fun. You know, so. That's right. Yeah, well, Chris is very generous also. Uh, you know, we, we go to lunch whenever we can. We get busy. I think tonight we're going to go golf balls, aren't we? Yes, sir. You and I? Okay. Yes, sir. And we're, we're going to shooting. So anyway, we're, you know, again, I think the world, Chris, I got to tell you, and I'm, I'm as proud of him as I am as my sons. He's just a really good person. And, uh, you know, I take some vicarious pleasure in his success. Uh, you know, I, I have created his success. I've created an opportunity, but he's done all the success himself. And I, I think uh, he's passing that on. And all of his, all of his, uh, his men are also black. So they're learning uh, a different attitude, I think, than they may have had with other jobs. They're working for another young black man who has a strong work ethic, understands how to build skills. And it's not a, uh, a, a position where you've got to do this or else. It's, hey, listen, you do this and you can grow and you can have an opportunity to build a better life. And we're going to teach you some skills that are important for that. And that's, I think, we, we take to all of our relationships that way. It's what can we get from each other and what can we give to each other that makes a difference and impact in each other's lives. And I think Chris is an excellent example of that. And wow. uh, speaking on capitalizing on what Mr. Garrett said, it really does make a difference to be honest with you. It's, 
I feel like with me being in the military, it, it really diversified me and been able to relate to a lot of people. Just from where I'm from, Little Salisbury, with a high crime rate, to even going off in the Marine Corps, just getting a different attitude about myself, meeting a lot of person, a lot of people, convert, converting with a lot of people. I feel like it, it helped me relate to a lot of people. It And it's just, it makes me able to socialize with a lot of people. I had this guy working with me, and I posted on time on Facebook one time, you know, I said, I need a, I need a third person to start working with me. This is when I was first growing. And this guy had just got out of jail. I never knew he just got out of jail. I just knew him like a couple times from back when I was in high school. And uh, he ended up messaging me. He's like, man, I really need a job. Can you please give me a job? So I'm like, me being small, I don't do no background checks or anything like that. So I'm like, come on, man. I, I need somebody to start with me. Or come to find out he just got out of prison like two weeks ago. And, uh, he been in prison for like 10 years, you know, and we, we get down the road talking and he's talking to me about how he been shot and this and that. And he's like, man, what made you give me an opportunity? I'm like, I'm not judging you from off your background. I just need this work right now done. You know? <laughs> I'm like, as long as you can do that, we can make anything happen. And right. it, it really helped him. It kept him off the streets. It kept him clean. He, I helped him get off of probation. I was writing his probation officer letters. I would do jobs. I just actually explained this to Mr. Garrett. I did a job at the beach and he would work with me and he can't leave the state of North Carolina where the job was in South Carolina, but it was, it was probably, if we was in South Carolina to get the, uh, get to North Carolina, you take five steps to the right and you in North Carolina. So when I did, <laughs> did the job in North uh, South Carolina and I actually booked the hotel in North Carolina and we had to drive about 20 minutes back up to the hotel just so he could do the job. And it helped his probation officer see that he was working, you know, he was doing, and it helped him get out. And it helped him actually restart himself. And he's working up in Indiana now. He's stable. So I feel like if people actually do get a chance, it actually helps people, you know. It's just mm. on us to actually see that sometimes people make mistakes or sometimes people just didn't have the education or even have the resources to be able to make it to that level in life. And I feel like, me being able to give people opportunities and not judging people off their past is actually helping. And I was uh, I was telling Mr. Kersey about that. Uh, that's one of the things I want to do here in the future. I've been talking about it for a couple years, but I actually want to take minorities from different communities. And I was going to do it with men, but I want to do it with all people. And what I want to do is we sit down at least once a week or once every two weeks and everybody leaves the group with homework. Well, there's something as simple as how to start an LLC, how to register your name, how to run a business account. Just all of these things that that people in our community really are, are they're not taught, to be honest with you, whether we believe it or not. Like, it's a lot of people that just come to me and ask me how to start an LLC. So I feel like if we can start a group, give everybody homework and every week somebody come back with something they learn and spread it to the group. And you just never know what knowledge that people are going to gain in between the group. So that's one of the things I want to start here in the future, too. So that's right. Wow. I love it. Charles, I see a lot of people right there, man. Just about to right. happen. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. We're yeah. talking with but Charles I'm sorry. Here. Let me interrupt for a second. I got to tell you. So when Chris was starting, he, he, he made some errors in the job that cost us money. All right. But there's a difference between making errors in the job when you're trying hard as opposed to be making errors on a job where you're just careless and don't care. Chris only made errors that he didn't quite know about. 
So I never took any money out of his pay, no matter what it costs us, because he was training still and he was trying as hard as he could. I think that's an important distinction. When you hire someone, if they're careless and they don't care and they're costing you money, it's, it's unacceptable. If they're doing, if they make errors because they have been trained properly, totally different situation. As long as they're willing to learn and profit by that. And every time Chris does something like that, he always comes in and says, I'm so sorry. I, I, I know I made that error. And, you know, we're, we're always good with it. I've never had bad words with Chris. I've had a couple of times when I've gritted my teeth, but we both have probably each other. But that's different. <laughs> but, you know, I love him. I love him like a son. I just think he's a great man. Wow. Likewise, Mr. Garrett. Likewise. We're talking to Charles Keir, Garrett, Carlin, and Chris Robinson about an uncommon partnership that has not only created a job for Chris, really a business for Chris, now Chris is employing others. What a powerful story. So I have a question for the three of you guys, and then we're going to, I'm going to drill down another line, and then we're going to wrap it up. So my first question for you guys is this. As I'm hearing this story, this is not government funded. These are three individuals. This is a businessman just in the marketplace giving somebody a chance and creating a platform where he becomes a businessman, giving others a chance, and it goes on and on. How important is this for Americans? As you think about our, our racial and social dynamic, how important is this kind of stuff to our racial divine, our social issues, versus looking to the government so I want to start with you, uh, Garrett. How important is this to the to the transformation of our, of our society than just the tendency that, that we look at the government? Well, again, this is my my belief. And again, I, I've told Charles and I have talked, Chris and I have talked. I learn from other people. So my my views aren't intractable. They aren't simply this is the way I think I'm never going to change. But I feel it's really important for people to to have a sense of self-worth self-worth by what they've earned. There's something powerful about saying I've earned this. With our charity, uh, we we don't give things we actually do a charity for disabled veterans older veterans who have spent their lives working and making their own home, paying for it, we go in and rehab those homes at no cost to that veteran because that veteran has worked hard to make that home. Younger vets, we put a half mortgage on a property and make sure that they understand that they're responsible for this home and they need to make payments on half this, half this value. And if they make those payments, we'll donate the equity to them over a five-year period. And that gives them, you know, it's powerful when you have the sense that I'm the one that earned this. Nobody gave it to me. And I think often people are marginalized because they don't understand that power of, of owning your freedom, I call it. You, you own your life. You know, it's not nobody. You're not beholding to anyone for what you do. You're, you've earned this responsibility. You have your own freedom and you can hold your head high uh, and, and feel very good about yourself. And unfortunately, a lot of people don't get that if they've been uh, downtrodden for, for, lo for long periods of time or been marginalized for long periods of time. They don't understand the power of it. And I think we can teach some of that. Wow. Chris, how important is this? I mean, what they did to you, what now you're doing to others versus just waiting on government to do something. I feel like, honestly, this is needed. I don't feel like we should depend on the government. I feel like we should be able to sustain and live our life on our own terms, to be honest with you. And I feel like it's really easy 
the knowledge just hasn't been able to be passed down in well with the older generation but now social media networking i feel like the information is there and easy and accessible i feel like it's really needed to change the today's society and what's going on like corona happened me and mr garrett never stopped working Right. Kept going. So I feel like that independent and independent uh to be independent and to not depend on the government or anything of that nature, I feel like is is definitely needed to be honest with you. Now you the lead the urban uh impact. I mean, how important is this? You know, how do you see this stance your vision of entrepreneurship in urban communities? Well, I, I think this model is, it transcends just urban impact. And, and particularly, Chris mentioned that he grew up in Salisbury. Salisbury is a rural area here in North Carolina, not too far from Charlotte. And what I see is an opportunity for us to come together. So this represents the coming of to get together, the working together to create opportunities, not only for Garrett, which is part of his business strategy. He needed good people, good motivated individuals to help to fulfill his the jobs that he was outbidding. Chris got the opportunity to actually benefit from the opportunity and grow and continues to grow. So, and, and here's Nehemiah, we're coming in, we're saying, hey, let's help both of these guys continue to grow because as they grow, then we can now help to change impact, not only urban communities, but also rural communities. And I mentioned the uh, Salisbury because there's the VA center up there and it's a government run entity. Well, they have all the goods and services that we can now help to repurpose and, and say, hey, how about revitalizing and giving people opportunities that may have gone the way of crime simply because they weren't taught properly? Now let's teach them, let's train them, let's give them an entrepreneurial mindset and transform them into leaders utilizing the military prowess that we have in our communities because, you know, these veterans are sitting around doing what? But if we tap that leadership skill and then we combine it with entrepreneurial skills, the sky becomes the limit and then we can attract other businesses. We have Lowe's Home Depot right up the street in Morrisville. They're headquartered here in North Carolina. We bring all of that together and say, hey, let's create greater opportunities, greater jobs, and then we can contract with the government that's going to spend the money anyway. We don't want them to give it to us, but we want to earn it and be a full contract with them because they need to build infrastructures and make things happen. So as we shape this movement, right, as we shape this, we're just saying, hey, we are the United States of America. We are veterans. We know that there are ways for us to be able to come together as kingdom people with the with the love of God, the power of God and we can make a difference and stop fighting against each other. Cause that's the biggest thing. When we are divided and we're fighting against each other, we fall as a nation. But when we come together as a nation, we, we unite and we have friendships, we have fun, we, we make some money and we make a difference, man, the sky's the limit. We can, we can do this all day, every day. Now, let, wow. let me say one more thing. I think, you know, again, we always just talk about diversity now. But, you know, the, the, the power is in an individual diversity, black, white, old, young. It's the power that diverse individual brings. When we start 
talking collectively and thinking collectively often it pulls away from that so you know i think having people like us around that look at each other as individuals we don't care about color or anything else we look at the individual and what they can bring to a situation or what we can help them with you know that's i think very powerful um, you know, again, I, nobody's completely colorblind. I can see that you gentlemen are black. I'm not an idiot, but that's it. I've, I've already acknowledged you're black. That's it. So now we just move on to the next thing. You acknowledge I'm white. It's pretty obvious I'm an old white guy. So that's just not that important. <laughs> that that can hit a golf ball. <laughs> and it's, it's just not important in our conversations anymore. When you see, yeah. we see each other, we smile and we light up and we're people. You know, so it's a matter of just treating people like individuals, giving them the benefit of the doubt until they prove themselves that they, they aren't worthy of that. And then we move on to something else. We can't change people entirely, but I think we can affect change in, in most people that are that really want to say, you know, I want a chance in life. I want an opportunity to live my dreams. Well, we got to tell you, you can attain almost all of those, maybe not every one of them, but you can make you can make a difference in your life, in your family's life, in your community's life, just by trying to work in, in, a, in a good manner toward a goal. And we're always working toward that. Maybe we never make it, but we're always working uh, towards towards something. And I think that that's that's a good thing. I love it. Tony Taylor uh, says that's true. Our community has to be financial literacy and how to create proper businesses. And then uh, Jennifer, um, here, here's what Jennifer Grace says. Awesome testimony. God bless you, Chris. This is incredible. So so let's land this plane. I mean, what we've learned here is the, the power of a young man who is unwilling to accept mediocrity, right? I mean, you know, it began with Chris saying, you know what? This, this situation isn't the problem. He did the math. So if you're in a difficult situation, you know, people are paying where you don't think you're worth, do the math. And, and and you don't have to accept that reality. But he didn't quit. He started looking, right? And then Garrett gave him a shot, saw the potential in him, saw beyond his color, his age, and even his current skill set, saw that he had experiences that could transfer, took a chance on him. A businessman took a chance on him and didn't just give him another job, but gave him an opportunity to fulfill his potential. And, and Chris didn't hold him to himself, but what he now did, he extended that to now to other people. Now, Garrett, yeah, Chris, is helping a whole community of people that he would have never met otherwise. And then Charles coming around him and saying, you know what, guys, we can even make this even bigger. This is an incredible story. So this models what's possible for our nation and what's possible for our communities. I'm gonna ask you guys for some advice for our people there before we do a few commercials. So if you wanna know more about Garrett and, and Chris and what they're doing, first of all, uh, Garrett has a nonprofit running that he's supporting his passion. He wants to eventually retire, leave young people like Chris and them running the business so he can do what his he cares about. So, Gary, what's the website for your uh, Purple Heart? It's, uh, so, the website is Purple Heart. Yeah, the website is Purple Heart Homes. Okay. And the www.phhusa.org. And we help disabled veterans with their housing needs. 
Wow, that is incredible. So go there to By learn the way, about that. And let me tell you quick, we started the one wheelchair ramp uh, now 12 years ago for Vietnam vet. This year we'll come close to finishing our 800th home. We'll do 160 homes in 25 states this year. That is incredible. Dr. Derek, thank you for your service for our nation and for your service to those who have served our nation. And then Gary, but you also have a business, right? My yes. What is the website for the company? They want to know more about, about uh, the blind our man. Website, we'll, we'll be changing shortly, but our website right now is the blind man. Uh, w, it's www.t-h-e-b-l-i-n-d-m-a-n-c-o-m-m-e-r-c-i-a-l, the blind man commercial. We do window treatments for large projects like hospitals, churches, schools, military bases. And Chris is the person that provides the labor on those jobs. And we provide uh, the service in North and South Carolina, parts of Virginia and parts of Georgia. That is incredible. That's incredible. So go there to learn about the blind man and to learn about the Purple Home Ministry. Let me um, tell you, we're about to become the original blind man. We're, re uh, we're rebranding because I love it. we've been around the longest. We're gonna we're gonna take that name. I okay. love it. The original blind man. So so don't you leave yet because they got some advice for you. But before you, if you enjoy this podcast, I want you to share it. Share with friends. Share with family, share it in your social media, your social media, so that others can be encouraged, like Garrett, to give others a chance, like Chris, not to accept the status quo and to step out there in faith, trusting that God will open doors, like Charles that took a chance on the golf course, on the golf, um, on the golf outing, to reach out to somebody of a different race, a different age, a different culture, just to create a relationship. So that you can also create uncommon partnership as they've done for job creation. Also, if you want to know more about the Nehemiah Project, we can come alongside you and help you to build your business or start a new business from a biblical perspective. Go to our website, nehemiahecommunity.com, nehemiahecommunity.com. There you can learn about our training program, Biblical Entrepreneurship Identity and Destiny. You can learn about our coaching program, come alongside you and coach you to grow your business take the next level. You can learn about access to capital. We can connect with our investors so you can raise capital to expand your business. Or you can learn about how to become a part of the community. We have over a thousand member entrepreneurs from Asia, Africa, Europe, Latin America, North America, who are all working together with shared values to build businesses. Hey, join the community so that together we can transform the world. We'll meet folks like these gentlemen here that are also doing this kind of stuff around the nation, around the world. You know, Garrett, before we close, I'm going to go start with you first. Somebody's watching right now and listening. They're an entrepreneur. They're, they're a boomer. And they, have, they want, like you, to believe in this generation, in the Chris generation, uh, especially those of a different race and culture. What advice would you give them say, you know what, I want to do what Garrett did, and I want to be able to extend that level of grace what give us advice? What can what, what would you advise them to do? How do they get to where you've gotten, Garrett, where you were able to build these kind of uncommon partnerships? Thank you. I, I think uh, Charles and I have talked about it. We're both people that have never met a stranger. 
Uh, I go up and talk to people as a matter of course. I want to hear about their lives a little bit. I'm a little, I'm outgoing. Uh, I, I love to hear about other people's stories. Uh, but by the same token, when I'm talking to them, I talk about our charity and I talk about, you know, that we can improve relationships, especially. Uh, I'm very proud that I have, I actually have real black friends. They don't, it's not somebody I wave at and I know their name or don't know their name. I, I know them personally. I know about their lives. Uh, they have enriched my life. And I think we have to tell people that understanding someone from a different background and, and a different uh, a different different ethnicity is is a positive in your life because it it helps you understand uh, how number one they can affect you and maybe more importantly how you can affect them and take them to a, maybe a level they haven't understood before because they've never been a, been approached by someone who is willing to help them. So I'm 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 always looking for the best person, uh, and I you know I try to hire the best person, but sometimes the best person is the one that. Uh, jumps out first in my mind. It may be the one that uh, I look, they, this down the line, this person is going to work out better because of their attitude, number one, their work ethic. And, you know, again, those are things you got to look at and you have to be colorblind. My general manager is a woman. She's married with two children. She's a terrific individual. I didn't want to hire a general manager because it was a man or any, she was just the best person for the job. So, Try to hire for the best person for the job and train them to do their job as well as they can. And they'll pay you back in, in, in a lot of ways. I love it. And also, I think, Gary, I heard you also earlier talk about giving, show them grace, invest in them. And then because part of it, you showed Chris some grace, right? You invest in his potential. And that's my thing And it's, you know, well-deserved, well-earned. I love it. I love it. Chris, you know, there are many uh, watching and listening and they're saying, I want to be like Chris. So Chris, what advice would you give other young people watching and listening who are saying, I'm, I'm in that situation, Chris, where I'm not happy where I'm my job, either because I'm not making enough or because it's not my sweet spot. What, is, what, what advice would you give them to get from what you did to get to where you are that they didn't be able to do? Oh, my mic, my, my camera is kind of like muted. I don't know if you can hear me. We can. We can. Okay. Yeah, we can hear. The advice I would give is never give up. Never give up. Never settle. You're going to have to do a lot of research on your own. It's going to feel lonely, to be honest with you. I spent a lot of time on the road just putting in work from the beginning just to get to this point, to be honest with you. You're going to go through a lot of emotions. Just don't give up, to be honest with you. Never settle. Never give up. Just keep going forward and just really put it in God's hand to be honest with you. I prayed a lot to be honest with you. I have so wow. I love it. Never give up. There's a African American a businessman, the first African American a billionaire, Reginald Lewis. Uh he 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 had that that model you know never give up no matter what. That was kind of his mantra and he did well with your corporation. Charles this is kind of your making you lead the urban impact. This is part of what you want to see happen. That people listening and watching, they're saying, you know, what does it take to be part of this movement? So first, speak to those who want to be a part and who's saying, I want to see this kind of stuff happen in my community. And then also, if you can pray for us, for those listening and watching, so that they might be inspired to be like Garrett, so that they never meet a stranger. Because that's what it takes. It takes men and women who are willing to go out of their zone to connect with others 
for job creation, for the glory of God, for the sake of our nation and community. So, Charlie, I'm turning to you, uh, encourage our people as to how they might create this kind of uncommon partnership in their communities and also pray for them, please. Right. And so, thank you, Patrice, and thank you guys for joining. I, I want to leave us with this. Uh, there's a scripture in Psalms 33 that says, When the brethren dwell together in unity, their God commands the blessing. And so we started talking about our experience, our military experience, and how we depended on and needed one another. And it's that camaraderie and that faith and trust that we were able to build in our fellow uh, soldiers that if something were to happen, we knew we can count on the guy in our foxhole to fight to his death, to lay down his life. And the Bible talks about being a friend to people, to be be willing to lay down your life for, for your friend. Now, everyone's not going to be your friend, but as citizens of the United States of America, it behooves us to come up with solutions, to come up with answers, not to be fearful, but be full of faith that we are still a nation, a great nation that can come together, work together to create opportunities for all, not only here in the United States, but abroad as well, because we're still a leading nation. And so to maintain our place in the world as leaders, as those that will share the gospel of Jesus Christ, the love of God, we must come together and stay together and work together. And even when we disagree, we don't have to be disagreeable right? We can agree to disagree without being disagreeable and come together and create solutions because the four minds on this call, the fifth mind with Victor on the, in the back office, uh, you know, backstage doing everything makes us better than just one mind by itself. And so don't stay isolated, be coachable. You know, we just saw Tom Brady win Lead, lead his team to winning the Super Bowl. They had coaches. We have coaches here at Nehemiah, at the Nehemiah Project with the Urban Impact. We want you to come and, and, and be trained and coached. You've got various guys and generations, and, and I won't point out who the oldest guy is. He just happens to be the white guy up there that can hit the ball. But then I'm the second oldest guy, and, and now we got these young men coming around, and we're joining ourselves together so that we can do something great and leave the world a better place than what we found it. And that's really what we, we should do. All of us should be looking to leave the world a better place. And so to that end, I'm going to pray us out and say, Father, thank you for the opportunity to just have this conversation with some friends. Even as we talk, think about Black History Month and the great things that you have brought us through as Black people and white people coming together to assist and to work with us, there are, yes, there's evil in the world. And we take this time to bind the enemy in the name of Jesus. And Father, we just release the love of God so that we'll have more men and women coming together, willing to work together to give people opportunities to create jobs, to create businesses that people can take care of their family and raise them up into a place of freedom so that they can be the very best that you've called them to be. And we can be the very best that you've called us to be. And Lord, that we might leave this world a better place. We pray for your blessing. You said when the brethren dwell together in unity, there you will command the blessing. We thank you for commanding your blessing on Nehemiah and all those that are listening and all those that want to be a part. Father, we're here to serve. We want you to bless us so that we can be a blessing and we give you praise for it in Jesus name. 
Amen. 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 God bless you all. Thank you so much. Thank you, Charles. Thank you very much, Thank friends. You.